Hey, everybody. Welcome to Passing Judgment, a podcast about politics, the law, and a lot of things in between. I'm your host, Loyola Law School professor Jessica Levinson. And today I want to break down exactly how strong is District Attorney Alvin Bragg's case against the former president, against Trump. We've talked about the fact that the indictment was coming on the show. I said, I think this is what it's going to be about. And I think these will be the places where there are some legal obstacles. Now we have the indictment. We have the statement of facts. The former president has been arraigned. And I want to talk through exactly what's going on here, because depending on what you've read or seen or heard, you might think that this case is either airtight or it's completely frivolous. And before we get into it, shameless plug that I have a piece up on MSNBC right now that goes through a lot of what I'm about to talk to you about. So let's begin at the beginning, which is what were the charges here? So Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg charged Trump with 34 counts of falsifying business records. Now, why 34? 34 because the complaint centers on 11 payments that Trump made to his former attorney and fixer, Michael Cohen. And for each payment, there's basically three different counts. There's the invoice, there's the check, and there's the ledger. And for one of them, I think the ledger is listed twice. Trump allegedly repaid Cohen for these hush money payments, as we've talked about, to adult film star Stormy Daniels. Cohen made the payments through a shell corporation, and these payments were made, as we remember, right before the 2016 election, the idea being Stormy Daniels, we're paying you and do not share your allegations that you had an affair with the president. Now, why is this a crime at all? You might be saying, you know, hush money payments, these happen a lot. What rises to the level of potential criminal behavior? And here, because when Trump was repaying Cohen, he incorrectly listed those payments as legal expenses, that's where we get the falsification of business records charges. Now, that typically is a misdemeanor, but under New York law, that crime can be bumped up to a felony if the prosecution can show that Trump had the intent to commit or conceal another crime. I think those legal obstacles really kick in when we talk about what those other crimes could be. Bragg doesn't have to bring the charges for those other crimes. He doesn't have to have the power to bring charges for those other crimes. But he does have to allege that the falsification of business records happened as Trump was trying to conceal or commit another crime. So let's talk about four big legal hurdles. The first legal obstacle I want to talk about is is the case too old? Because you might have heard the former president say the statute of limitations has run. That's just a legal way of saying you should have brought this case before. Because it looks like that the last repayments here were more than five years ago. And typically, the statute of limitations in New York for a crime like this would be five years. But there's an exception to the statute of limitations where a defendant has been, quote, continuously out of state. And because Trump lived in the White House and then he left the White House for Mar-a-Lago, I think that he would fit within this exception. So 
from my perspective right now, this argument that the statute of limitations has run, the case is too old, that doesn't hold much water. What about the second legal hurdle here, which is, can Bragg rely on New York election law to support his felony charge? Meaning, can the other crime here that Bragg's saying Trump tried to commit or conceal be a state election law violation when the former president obviously was a federal candidate? And I think the answer is maybe. That in his statement of facts here, Bragg's office alleges that Trump violated, quote, election laws. Then later in his press conference, he specifically referenced New York election laws. And he said the scheme violated New York election law, which makes it a crime to conspire to promote a candidacy by unlawful means. Now, that does beg the question a little bit, what are the unlawful means? But I think the big obstacle here, as I said, is convincing a judge that he can rely on state election law in a case where we're dealing with a candidate for federal office. Obstacle number three, can Bragg rely on federal election laws, on federal campaign finance laws? I think the answer is probably yes. Again, why are we talking about these other crimes because prosecutors can only charge falsification of business records as a felony if they show, again, that the defendant had the intent to commit or conceal another crime. In this case, I think the biggest question is whether or not Bragg, as a state prosecutor, can rely on federal laws. Now, he couldn't prosecute Trump for violating these federal laws. But I think under that New York law that says go ahead and bump up a falsification of business records charge from a misdemeanor to a felony where you allege that the defendant had the intent to commit or conceal another crime, I think that other crime can be a federal crime. And there has been precedent in New York, I understand, where district attorneys have tried defendants for falsification of business records have bumped that up to a felony. And that other crime would be a tax fraud crime, for instance, federal tax fraud. So I think that Bragg stands on firm ground here. But then the next question is, if Bragg can rely on federal laws, can he rely on campaign finance laws? And what that really boils down to is, Are these payments made for political purposes to benefit the 2016 campaign, or are they made for personal purposes, basically to try and hide from Melania that this alleged affair occurred? And I think in this case, the answer is all the facts here seem to point in the same direction, which is that these payments were made to try and benefit Trump as a candidate, not Trump as a person or as a business person even. And some people have said, well, what about the case of John Edwards, the former senator who was charged with campaign finance violations, in part based on donations by wealthy individuals that were made in order to try and basically silence a story related to his affair, which he later admitted to. And in that case, the jury found 
that he was not guilty on one charge and they hung on the five other charges. But I think that was a much weaker case in part because of the timing of the payments there. The timing of the payments started well before the election and continued after the election. In this case, related to Trump, what we have really is the allegation that there was an agreement made between Trump, Cohen, and David Pecker, the former publisher of the National Enquirer, again, an allegation that there was an agreement that they would, quote, catch and kill negative stories for the purpose of benefiting Trump's candidacy, his campaign. And the allegations here by Bragg and Bragg's office or that Trump basically said to Cohen, try and wait as long as possible to pay Stormy Daniels, because if we wait till after the election, it won't matter if the story comes out. If that's true, again, it indicates that these payments were made to benefit Trump as a candidate, not as a person, not as a business person, not in his personal capacity or his professional capacity, but in a political sense. And that's what you need for campaign finance laws to kick in here. Now, the last hurdle here, number four, can Bragg rely on tax law? And here I think the answer is really yes. And this actually might be the cleanest route for Bragg, the cleanest way for him to say that there was another crime that Trump intended to commit or conceal. Tax law allows Bragg to avoid entering or at least solely relying on this complicated thicket that we just talked about of either state election law or federal election law. Trump's payments to Cohen, again, were allegedly mischaracterized as legal expenses and therefore income to Cohen. And apparently Trump, the allegation is, quote, grossed up the payments so that they looked like income as opposed to repayments. As prosecutors have referenced, this could amount to a violation of New York tax law. And that, I think, again, might be the cleanest route here for the prosecution. Let's tackle another question that I've heard over the last few days since the arraignment occurred, which is, is this just about bookkeeping? Basically, is this just much ado about nothing? Why are we bothering to even charge this case? Let's remember, this is a historic first. A former president has never been criminally charged. And the answer is no. This is a case that fundamentally is about a plan to try and prevent the American public from learning more about candidates for president, and in this case, one candidate for the presidency. This is a story about using unlawful means to try and pull the wool over our eyes. It's not just about mischaracterizing some payments on a private business record. So that to me is about trying to undermine democracy and trying to undermine what we know about our candidates before we vote for them. We can think about if this story came out and if it made a difference, obviously that is an alternative reality and we can all think through all the many ways that our country would look different. What's the summary for today? Bragg is going to have to connect some dots here. He is going to have to answer some real legal questions, but I think that he has the tools to do so. So I hope that was a helpful explainer of what the indictment here is about and where the potential questions lie. 
As always, please rate, review, subscribe. Please let us know if there's more that you'd like to hear about. And we wish everybody a great day. Thank you.